get anxiety. They get suicidal thoughts and mental illness. Maybe instead of saying man up, we should say it's okay to talk about it. Hi listeners, today is a special podcast. We talk with Nick Bell, who's the assistant manager at the Edinburgh Crisis Centre. As um, Blair are very keen to campaign for a crisis centre, um, especially in Dundee, where we, in Dundee it has the second highest suicide rate in Scotland. <laughs> Listeners, today we're talking with Nick Bell. He's the assistant manager at the Edinburgh Crisis Centre. So how are you doing, Nick? I'm not too bad, thank you. And yourself? Yeah, yeah, I'm fine, I'm fine thank you. Can, you. can you explain in detail how the uh, Crisis Centre works, please, Nick? Sure, no problems. Um, so, first of all, the Crisis Centre's been running, I think this is our 15th or our 16th year now. Um, we're open to all Edinburgh residents aged 16 uh, years and upwards. Um, people can contact us via telephone, uh, helpline, or via email. Uh, the centre's open 24 hours a day, every day of the year. Mm-hmm. Um, people can make contact with us. Initially, they can be anonymous if they wish to be anonymous. Um, they don't have to give us any contact details at all. Um, they can receive support via email or over the phone. However, if they wish to have a virtual appointment or come into the centre for an appointment, they need to give us basic contact details like name, address, date of birth and telephone number. Um, and then from from people coming into the centre, we have a resting space if people want to stay for um, an extended period of time to, to work with staff members and in, in formulating some crisis planning or some safe planning. Um, and because we're a self-referral service, when people have been in contact with us, once um, that initial contact ends, it's really up to them to get back in touch with uh, with us again. We don't follow things up with people. Right, okay. Um, how has the crisis centre coped during the pandemic? Uh, do you get a sense of an increase in mental health issues? Like more people needed to contact the crisis centre? Um, yeah, it's been a, a very unusual year. Um, Yes, um, the, the telephone, we used to have a text service, which you, we can't run at the moment uh, because of the pandemic, but the email and the, the telephone helpline is still running. Um, there's obviously been an increase in contacts over the year, and there's been an increase in people recontacting us as well. Um, and there's also been quite a change in the reasons why people are calling us as well. We've noticed a, a big increase in contacts from people with financial difficulties, and also relationship breakdowns as well, and also isolation. Those would be our three sort of big things that we've noticed in the last 12 months or 10 months. Okay. Why do you think there's only one crisis centre in Scotland? Like, why is there not one in cities like Glasgow, Aberdeen and Dundee? My um, initial thoughts on that, or my sort of what I was led to believe initially was the fact that the Edinburgh Crisis Centre um, was like a pilot project and the hope then that other councils would then fund crisis centres in other areas. Um, I'm not sure why that hasn't taken place. I mean, our, our uh, services got busier and busier each year um, and the amount of referrals that are coming through to us, in, through to us kind of reflect the need for a crisis centre. 
Um, so yeah, it's, it's very surprising. As I said, we've been running for about fifteen or sixteen years now. It is quite surprising that um, other other councils haven't taken that on. I don't yeah. know whether that comes down to funding or need, or but I would imagine that there's definitely a need for it. Uh -huh. um, over, over the years, like as you said, the centre's been open for fifteen, sixteen years. How many other people would you say have been like suicidal? Um. It, it varies because being a crisis centre, and we don't define what a crisis centre or what a crisis is for somebody, but I would say that um, on average each year, I would say probably at least a quarter of the people that contact us are experiencing suicidal thoughts. Some of those may have a plan, and for some it may just be thoughts, but I would say probably a quarter of our contacts. Right. I, I believe even carers can get respite at the centre as well, Nick. That's right, yes. We also support carers. Um, and that kind of works a little bit differently than um, than people who are non-carers. Um, if somebody is a carer and the person that they care for is an Edinburgh resident, then the carer can contact us from anywhere in the UK. And quite often, for instance, we'll have... Um, maybe some parents that will phone us from London or Manchester because their son or their daughter is studying in Edinburgh and they have concerns about them. Um, so yeah, it, it works quite, quite differently in that way. Obviously, if it's a carer from another city, we can't invite them into the centre. But if the carer is in Edinburgh, then we can invite them in as well. Sure, sure. So since the pandemic, how, how many people would you say have stayed in the crisis centre? Um, unfortunately, since March, we've not been able to do overnights at the centre. Um, we have uh, got virtual appointments now and we've we've got an, um, a resting room where people can stay for an extended period of time. Um, a lot of that comes down to the fact that, you know, some of these old buildings, uh, as I'm sure as you'd appreciate, aren't cut out for social distancing. Um, yeah. And our crisis centre building is, is, is a, an old tenement building um, and it's been very difficult to sort of bring back all the aspects that we had pre-COVID. Uh -huh. so hopefully that will change over a period of time though but i can say for the the year prior to covid um we had 434 people um stayed at the center over a 12 month yeah. period now that with those 434 people some of them may have come back and stayed several times some of them may you know they might have stayed more nights than other than other people did but 34 434 individuals had stayed overnight Oh, I mean, I must say, uh, as a former uh, support worker with problem myself, I mean, the people that needed the crisis centre, they always seem to find great benefit when they've stayed there. Yes, um, I mean, certainly when, when somebody leaves, we ask people to fill in feedback forms and we sort of hear from um, other people that sort of have been signposted onto the centre. It's been word of mouth from people that have previously used it. Um, and I think people kind of like our approach. One, it's self-referral. Um, so people are coming along at a time that they choose is beneficial to them when they make contact with us. Um, our confidentiality policy is quite tight. So we're not being part of statutory services. Information's not shared unless somebody's at immediate risk. So people can come along, access us for the first time, or want to speak to us in um, confidence, and it doesn't go on their on their records. Um, and I think that was kind of a big selling part for the crisis centre initially when it was first put together, was the fact yeah. that, you know that it was a very confidential service. 
Yeah, definitely. Um, I believe you've got a, a therapist, Dr. Brody, that, that stays at the centre. Yeah, well, we don't have Brody there at the moment, unfortunately. Um, but yeah, um, one of the things we introduced over the last couple of years was some volunteer-led groups. Um, so we have a, a writing group, an art group, um, yoga, and the therapeut dog, Brody, that you mentioned. Um, at the moment, we've got the, the writing group running virtually, and we're looking at setting up the yoga group virtually. But again, just to keep footfall down at the centre at the moment, unfortunately, little Brody and his owner, Kate, can't come in. No, no. So having to work virtually, is that helping people access the centre that way? Sorry? I mean, I mean, like the people that who would, be, would normally be able to access the centre, have they found, you know, obviously, you know, they have to use the centre virtually on their computers or their phones. Yeah. Do you feel that they've had benefit from that as well? Absolutely, yes. Um, I think, I mean, there's certainly some people that may not have the technology or be comfortable in using the technology. Um, but certainly we've noticed, uh, and especially in the last couple of months, a big increase in our virtual appointments. And I think that people are beginning to realise that, you know, restrictions and lockdowns are going to be in for a little bit longer than was first anticipated. So yeah. people are now getting used to the, these sort of alternate formats and becoming quite comfortable with them. Okay. And what do you do to help your mental health, Nick? Um, I'm a big movie watcher. Um, I love movies. I love horror movies. <laughs> um, and uh, I'm quite a big reader as well. So, you know, for everybody um, this year, things have been quite uh, difficult and quite trying for, for many of us in, di in different ways. So it's important as well to make sure that you do take time out for yourself and, and to spend a little time doing the things that you do enjoy. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Um, I just wanted to say, uh, Nick, I really uh, appreciated uh, you taking the time to join us on our podcast and we really do uh, appreciate it. And hopefully we can get more crisis centres um, in other cities in Scotland. Yeah, that would be fantastic. I mean, I certainly think that, you know, there is a need for them around the country. So it would be fantastic if that worked out that way. Uh, thanks a lot for having me along today. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. Cheers, Nick. Take care. You too. Bye. 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 Bye.